You're listening to Coding Blocks, episode 82. Subscribe to us and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, and more using your favorite podcast app. And check us out at codingblocks.net where you can find show notes, example discussion, and a lot more. Send your feedback, questions, and rants to comments at codingblocks.net. Follow us on Twitter at codingblocks or head to www.codingblocks.net and find all our social links there at the top of the page. And with that, I'm Alan Underwood. I'm Joe Zach. And I'm Michael Outlaw. This episode is sponsored by Datadog. Datadog is a software-as-a-service monitoring platform that provides developer and operation teams with a unified view of their infrastructure, apps, and logs. Thousands of organizations rely on Datadog to collect, visualize, and alert on out-of-the-box and custom metrics to gain full-stack observability with a unified view of their infrastructure, apps, and logs at cloud scale. And they've got 200 plus turnkey integrations, including AWS, PostgreSQL, Kubernetes, Slack, Java, and a whole lot more. So check out the full list of integrations at their website, datadoghq.com slash product slash integrations. And Datadog's key features include real-time visibility from built-in and customizable dashboards, algorithmic alerts like anomaly detection, outlier detection, and forecasting alerts, end-to-end request tracing to visualize app performance, and real-time collaboration. Datadog is offering our listeners a free 14-day trial, no credit card required, and as an added bonus for signing up and creating a dashboard, they will send you a Datadog t-shirt. Head to www.datadog.com slash coding blocks to sign up today. All right. And today we're going to be talking about identifying our weaknesses and filling in the gaps. In the last episode, we talked about complexity theory, theory um, and we've been, all been reading the imposter's handbook. And so we kind of thought it'd be fun to talk about kind of our own personal weaknesses and kind of how we thought about them and how we're identifying them and working on them. So I hope you guys enjoy. Yep. And as we like to do up first are our reviews that you folks have left us and we very much appreciate them. So I've got iTunes and it looks like I got John James, maybe. Uh, C. Weldfitch, Change Perspective, and Steve, 555-356-7. And huge thank you to you guys. 355-7? But I, I don't know why. I, I, I read numbers in threes, so 555-356-7. I was thinking that that was like some kind of phone number. Like 555. Just give me a call. 555-35-7. <laughs> Six seven. seven. Uh. All right. And on Stitcher, Nick the Greek, Dizzle McShizzle, and Ketch. Hey, I know Ketch. I might know some of the other guys too. Uh anyway, um just for a quick note, I want to mention that I'm gonna be speaking on um search driven applications. I'm gonna be showing uh, three quick prototypes that are all built around a search engine. Uh, and the Elastic Stack. So if you're in the Central Florida region, you should check out the Backend Devs Meetup. And we'll have some links here. And if you aren't able to make it, you can actually follow along. I've got the uh, the slides actually already up on the uh, GitHub. And uh, it's the same with the apps, too. So if you're interested, you can check it out there. It's still a work in progress, but uh, I think it's kind of cool. Hey, and if you want to know something cool, because we did the Docker episode, the way that he's got this on the GitHub link, if you want to see magic, go clone that repo. And then type in compose Docker space composed uh, Docker dash compose <laughs> space up space dash D and watch magic happen. Your entire environment spin up. You'll have Elastic Elk, uh, the Elk stack running plus some additional things and a website. Like it's it's just awesome. 
That's really cool. Um, and just in that project, like some of the projects, there's Java, there's Python, there's JRuby, there's um, there's JavaScript stuff going on. There's a whole bunch of technologies, uh, and you don't have to worry about any of it. You just type that command, and all that stuff is loaded in those little uh, in those little Docker containers. So you don't have to worry about any of that stuff, and that's the magic. Yeah, it's really cool stuff. All right. So first up, um, we're going to talk a little bit about um, how to kind of assess yourself. And I've got some notes in here from when I did the uh, deliberate practice. So I was going to kind of um, – you know, talk about that a little bit, but really I'm, um, first more foremost, uh, more interested in how you guys kind of picked. And, you know, I don't even think we really <laughs> introduced the topic, did we? I think I, I came at you guys and I said, pick two weaknesses, two things that you would don't think you're very good at right now. And one strength in kind of the field of programming. And we're going to talk about it in the air. And so I'm really curious how you guys determined what to choose there. What, before we dive into this, you've got how to assess yourself. Did anybody else hear like a Madonna song in their head when they when they saw this? You got to make them assess yourself. Hey, oh, that's yeah. funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I heard "Treat Yourself" from Parks and Rec. <laughs> Very nice. Sorry, it, it just uh, it's I been just, bouncing around in my head since I read it, and I was like, "Get out!" <laughs> Get just out. waiting for the next verse of this song to go. Go ahead. Hey, hey, hey! Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's little background dancers. Like that's somebody, right. whoever edits the video needs to put some background dancers uh, behind Alan as he sings this. That's awesome. All right, it'll be done. Yes, for sure. So, so yeah. How did how did you pick? No, you go first. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> hey, tell you what. Tell you okay, what. I'll we'll, go. We'll I'll, get go. I'll go. Because because okay. I definitely struggled with this because. The, the, the challenge to me, okay, so Joe's like, hey, you know, pick two weaknesses, one strength, and that's what we're going to talk about, right? Like that that's kind of like the central theme of it, right? And it was like, well, man, like how, how do I – like I want to be honest, right? So I want to be honest with myself, right? So how do I find this? So I'm like Googling around like, hey, how, how do you like – you know, find, find your weaknesses. Like how, you know, how do you determine skills gaps? Right. Like I was going nuts. Did you Google that? Really? Oh my God, man. <laughs> like I have been stressing about this episode more than any other topic we've ever talked about because it was like, how do you seriously, like if you're trying to honestly find, you know, take an introspective look at what your real weaknesses are, how do you first identify those? Right. And it's a, Number one, this is a very tough thing to Google because if you do start Googling this type of topic, or at least maybe I was using all the wrong keywords, I would come back with article after article after article about identifying the skills gap within your organization and across your team and how to like hire the right people that, you know, can fill in those gaps kind of thing. But none of them were about like self-assessment kind of things. They were more like team-based kind of things, right? Or like... Hey, these are the skills gaps that you need to be aware of that, you know, why you need this particular technology within your organization within the next you oh, know, 12 wow. months. Like nothing was about, you know, how to assess yourself. Right. And, uh, so, but there were some articles though, like several, uh, I'll put links to them in there, but like, uh, slash dot Quora, Reddit, all, you know, topics like what knowledge gaps do self-taught prog- programmers generally have? Uh, what specifically is the knowledge gap between a strong self-taught programmer and a software engineering grad? Or what are some common knowledge gaps among programmers? Like 
you know, those, those are, you know, kind of topics that you could find scattered around, but it was like really difficult to find like, uh, you know, for me to try to find something that I could like truly assess myself. So I ended up just picking some things that like, I probably didn't do it the way you guys did. So I'm curious to see how this is going to work. I didn't Google single thing. Like that's crazy. You're like, I already know what my weaknesses are. I don't need Google. I actually know. It was like, man, I don't have any weaknesses. This is easy. No, (laughs) no. So how did I know Alan would say that? How did I know? I should have called that. uh, I should have like secretly texted Joe. Like Alan's going to say, how far in, right? How far in? No, like, Oh God, we should have made a drinking game out of it. We could have. No, no, seriously, like, you know how I did it? Like, it it never crossed my mind that this was going to be hard to do. It was what things frustrate me. Those are usually yeah. my weaknesses. That That's <clears> – so the ones that, I'll, that we'll be talking about for me, it's the things that either frustrate me because when I, when I think about them, I'm like, man, I have a gap there. Or there are certain aspects of it that that just drive me crazy because I don't know how to handle it properly or whatever. So that was it. It was literally just, hey, what are the things that I that I'm always feeling like I need to be better at somehow because it would help me in some substantial way. That was it. Like <laughs> I I hate to say, but I think I put about five minutes of thought in it. I was like, all right, which one of these am I going to pick? Right? Like mm-hmm. I, I need I need to grab a handful of these, and these are the ones that I'm going to do. Yeah, so the way I kind of thought about it is, um, I, I didn't have to think about it at all. Like, I, if, if I need five minutes, I need zero because I have a constant anxiety loop running. And so I just <laughs> had to do a quick aggregate poll there and, you know, look at what was, whatever was kind of, um, you know, hurting my soul the most. And so it was pretty easy for me to come up with things I was weak against. Now, strong against, that was another thing, like, you know, well, we'll get to that. that. It's definitely hard to say, like, this is something I feel good and confident with, you know, my, my ability towards. So that was real rough for me, but. Man, you guys, I don't get it. Where's the confidence? Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> We're 82 episodes in, guys. <laughs> no, but, but, you know, okay, it's funny you say that. So, uh, because, like, one of the thoughts that I had while trying to, like, research this, because, again, like, my whole approach was, like, okay, well, how do I, how do I assess those, like, I, I feel weak on everything. So, it's like, I can't say that, right? You know, so I was like, well, how do I, how do I give like where the honest thing, like these are, how do I assess where the real things are and tackle those? Right. But then I was like, why do I feel like that? Why do, why does it feel, why do I feel like, uh, you know, I'm weak on everything because, you know, am I, maybe not, I don't know. Cause I can't find this way to assess it. But, um, you know, I was like, well, I think it was, there was a, there was a video that I watched where, um, it was from a Google IO, uh, presentation from, I think like 2008, 2009. And it was called something like the, the myth of the, uh, something programmer myth of the, the 10 X or whatever. No, no, no. Um, no, that does sound familiar though, doesn't it? Uh, no, it wasn't that one. It, it was, it was a different one, but, uh, I'll find the title of it later. But basically they were saying like, you know, we kind of feel like that, like this, it's a common feeling amongst uh, our community because, you know, you have these people who are held up to like extremely high standards. Right. And really, I mean, they, they didn't build these things that they're well known for overnight. 
And they definitely didn't do it by themselves, but they definitely take a lot of the credit, right? So uh, Torvalds was one of the names that was mentioned about, you know, with Linux, right? It was like, well, it's not like he just, you know, came out overnight. Like he spent a lot of time building Linux before it became a thing. And it's, you know, only gotten better because of other people contributing to it. But yet he's the name that we think about. Like he's the one on the pedestal that we think about, right? And so, you know, if you're not on those on that pedestal, then it's easy to like, you know, not think as highly of yourself, right? So, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, so you know, I did a lot of preparation for that talk I did on uh, the practice. We did an episode on it too with uh, Will Madison, who was an awesome episode. Just check it out. But uh, in that research, I actually kind of found um, some objective kind of measures that you could do, and I kind of split things up into knowledge and skill. And so I was going to go over them real quick. Um, LinkedIn and ProSci actually have self assessments. We can go in there and kind of pick a subject like, say, C Sharp or C++ or something. Um, and they have some more some more somewhat softer type topics too. But you can actually do a little test and you'll get a score. And that's kind of cool. So you can say like, well, I've been doing C Sharp for 10 years now. Like I expect an A. And so if you don't get an A, then that's something, you know, to be interested in. Um, I also thought of uh, looking at the Stack Overflow survey results. Like that's not so much an objective way to kind of measure yourself, but like you can like look and see what other people are talking about. So if you've never heard of say react and it's, or, or angular, it's pinning all of the, uh, the top charts and a bunch of different fields. Like that's probably some sort of gap in your knowledge. So I thought that was an interesting way of doing it. I, I, by the way, I didn't do any of these. <laughs> so, uh, you can try building something. Uh, one thing I'm really bad about being like, uh, overconfident in my understanding of things. It's like, yeah, man, I know how Docker works. Like, Kubernetes, I get it. You know, I watched the two-minute presentation. Like, it's how you deploy stuff, duh. And then I go to do it. And, you know, three weeks later, I'm still like, mad Viking God, help me. <laughs> All right. And he has been helping me. Thank you. Uh, reading the Imposter's Handbook. Uh, listening to handbook, to podcasts, going to meetups, stuff like that, that introduce new perspectives. That kind of helps you at least see your gaps, I think. By the way, just circling back, I found that video. The name of it was The Myth of the Genius Programmer. Hmm. Okay. There actually was an article, The Myth of the 10X, The Myth of the Myth of the 10X Developer, which we talked about on the uh, Deliberate Practices episode. Yep. So skills are are different things. So um, skills really, I probably should add the LinkedIn Pluralsight stuff down in the skills section. I'll move that. Um, But if that's something measurable, like you can do uh, level four problems, JavaScript time yourself, see how many you do in 20 minutes or whatever. You know, that, that'll that give you something you can plot, which is nice, but it doesn't really give you any sort of relative, like, you know, you can't really take that and say, like, well, how'd you do? You know, it's kind of an awkward uh, lunchtime conversation because, like, someone's going to be higher than the other, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, as far as those soft skills, you know, finding a friend and asking for a specific feedback uh, is something that I kind of found in those books I read to be really important. So, and, you know, I think it's good to be able to say, like, uh, you know, hey, outlaw, you've seen my code. Like, you know, what could I be better at? Don't tell me on the, sh- the air. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> uh, but I think that would have been like a really smart approach for us to take. I didn't take it though. And I wanted to mention that it's never been easier. Like we've got all these collaboration tools, you know, like the, it's, it's kind of funny too. Like I had all this stuff like in notes. So like I knew like the textbook answers, but I thought it was so funny to me that like, None of these were kind of intuitive to me until I kind of read over them. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is how I should do it. This is how I should do it. Is that how you guys are feeling about it? I don't Not know. So much. I don't know. I, I, we'll probably see when we get into them a little bit. But 
I, I will agree that everything always seems 2020 in hindsight, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and the last one I got here is the um, you know, the worst case scenario, basically assessing yourself. And that's if you could kind of like come up with like a list of pros and cons here and basically say, am I good at this, bad at this, you know, kind of come up with some sort of scoring system for yourself. And this is totally what I did, even though I've got it as the uh, worst case scenario. Hmm. You got to be aware of the Dunning-Kruger effect. That's the one where it's like, when you don't know something very well, like you tend to like overstate uh, how good you are. And then <laughs> once you get really good at something, you tend to under. So that's why uh, assessing yourself is tough. Yeah. That there've been, there've been podcast episodes on that alone and, yep. and how, you know, people will rate themselves super high when they don't know what they don't know. And then when they realize the breadth of what they really don't know, then it's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm a three. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So that's the thing, like trying to like be honest with yourself. Right. And, and it's so hard because it's so big, right? Like we, we live in a sea that is just ginormous. Yeah. And I feel like I live in a C as an average. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. You're passing. <laughs> for all you in school passing. out there, disregard what I just said. Uh, completely. Yeah, for all this dang time I put into it, you know, you think I'd be flying high, right? Right. So, so you're going to kick us off with the dev weaknesses, right? Uh, yeah. So now we're getting into the kind of the meat of things. Like we we each pick two weaknesses and one strength. We're going to go uh, round robin style, starting with the, the weaknesses. And I made the mistake of putting myself first. <laughs> So I've been talking a lot. All right, let's uh, we're doing it in jam order, just so that jam order, just so that we keep these things straight here. So for me, my first one, I've got modern UX development, which I mean JavaScript frameworks, things like Angular, also just things like general good design sense and kind of thinking like a user. Would you guys agree with that? Mm, no, nah. I mean I, I've seen what you do. I don't think so. I mean, I, I've seen the UIs that you put together now, and this is this is actually where it was hard to pick weaknesses because you could either get super broad, like you just said, you know, UI frameworks, like oh man, seriously, React, Angular, Vue, and, and we're just talking about web stuff. Then if you want to get into things like WPF or Spring or what Swing in Java, like like you can go you can go so wide with the UI thing that it's like, wow, that's hard. So are you talking about just not knowing the frameworks? Or are you talking about actually how, how to design a good UI that is usable by an end customer? I feel like if lightning strike me right now and I just had like the best idea in the world to, for an app, I wouldn't know where to start. Right. Like that's for like the full picture kind of like user focused, like, you know, if it comes to, to like writing web services, like I've got my preferences, you know, I like, I know what I like to do. It comes to database tables when it comes to, um, you know, C sharp architecture kind of organization. Like I feel comfortable with that stuff. If I had to come up with like a user facing, like mobile app or website or something like all of a sudden it's like, Oh crap. Um, let me Google react versus angular. You know, I feel like I'm at like step one of this really <laughs> big and complicated field. Well, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Because it sounds like, on the one hand, it sounds like you're talking about information architecture, and then on the other hand, you jump into a framework, and it's like, wait a minute, those two things don't have anything to do with each other. Right. So like, knowing what about- components, what information should right. be present to the user at what time, and where to put it, and how to emphasize it, is not the same thing as, choosing you know, a framework. obviously choosing React. Right. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm getting at, because if you're, yeah, well, if you're talking about what he just said, you know, how to... 
how would I set this up so that not throw away the framework, but what would this screen look like so that a user could use this application in a useful way? That's totally different than should I pick angular or should I pick react? And there are degrees for that. Yeah, exactly. Like, so it's, so I, I'm, I just want to kind of focus in on what you're saying. Your weakness is it sounds like your weakness is you don't have, experience with every single UI framework on the planet. So it's hard for you to pick which one to use. Yeah. Like I, like when I say this, like I've done, I've made like tons of websites, right? Like I've um, launched them, I've sold them. Hey, uh, I've done all sorts of stuff, but I just never really felt comfortable with it. Like, so even to this day, like when it comes time to like, Hey, let me make a website. Like I always feel like I'm at, you know, like step one. So like, even now, like if you're like, Hey Joe, go make a website. First thing I'm doing is going to like bootstrap, you know, theme forest to like try and get like some sort of stepping stone to kind of start on because I feel like starting from scratch, like I know HTML, you know, like I, I could type it, but as for like what to do, what kind of patterns are good, like what websites look like now, what things I like in a website, how I would build those things, what kind of JavaScript behaviors are like kind of in fashion and make sense for kind of modern apps, like. I feel like I'm stuck 10 years ago. This is where I would flip it on its head, though. So you're calling that out as a weakness because you don't have experience in all those things. And I'll call that a strength because you are aware that things have changed and that you need to go look and see what it is that you should be checking out. Like, you know about PWAs, you know about ThemeForest, you know about these things that can give you that uh, that step up, right? That That ability to leap ahead of where you'd be if you started from scratch. And that's, I mean, I know that's sort of a cop out and that might be kind of corny, but I honestly think that that's the kind of thing that comes with the experience, right? Like all three of us here would have that because we'd look at it and go, wait a second, you know, the landscape's constantly changing. What I did five years ago is not the same thing that I need to do today. And, and I think, I think that only comes with the experience. And so while yes, it's a weakness because you don't know them all, it's also a strength because you are aware of it. it, it it's that whole, you know what you don't know thing, right? Or you don't uh, know I, what you I, don't know. I suppose know. so. I suppose so. I'll take it. I mean, hey, you know, keep going. <laughs> um, you know, what else am I good at? But, uh, no problem. <laughs> Uh, so I'll take that, but um, for now, if we want to go on to you. Like, what did you come up with uh, for a, a weakness there, Alan? All right, so I I kind of had to tack another one on here at the last minute because I realized that we went specifically for dev weaknesses. I'm going to throw in the first one that I did and kind of a toss away. One thing that I struggle with the most is time boxing. As a manager slash developer slash you know architect or whatever, the biggest problem I have is. It, and this isn't development related, so I don't want to spend too much time on it, but it's, it's really tough when you're a manager and you have guys that have just great ideas all the time. Right. And the problem that you run into is if you have a 30 minute box for a particular meeting and you get into a really good conversation about the direction something should go, or why haven't we looked at this? Or here's another solution that might be better. I have a really hard time cutting those conversations off because I don't like killing creativity. I think some of the beauty and some of the the fun of being a developer is the magic that comes with it, right? And it's the magic that only happens when you're allowed to have that creativity bug in your head, right? And you're allowed to get it out in the open and it spreads. It's contagious, right? As more people start thinking about it, then they're mentally building on to that, right? Like they're creating those building blocks, 
on the flip side, it's really hard because it's so easy for that time to just disappear throughout the day, right? I mean, you look up, you've been in meetings for four hours and you were only scheduled for an hour and a half. And it's like, man, that's, oh, I don't, I, and I'm terrible at it. I, because I really don't like killing ideas. And, and on the flip side, I, I just don't know what to do about it. it. Being completely honest, basically what ends up happening is I end up just working more hours in the day because I feel like I didn't get anything done in the earlier times because, you know, so I don't know if you guys want to say anything about that, but that's, that's, that is one of the struggles I have that's not necessarily dev related, but just as a, as a person in development, if you become somebody that people rely on, this will happen to you more and more and more throughout your career. So what do you think about that outlaw? Yeah, I mean, I understand it's basically like time, time management is kind of what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And I've definitely known some people who like, I want to, I kind of want to phrase it as like, they respect their time highly. Right. And so if you get into a conversation with them that isn't what they want to say, then they're like, nope, I'm shutting you down. Schedule a different meeting for that because I only allowed, you know, for X amount of time to talk to you about X and, you know, we need to stay on topic, Right. And so it, I'm definitely bad though about the wandering conversations. You know, you know, if, if someone throws an idea out there, I'll start pursuing that idea with them and, and let's see where it goes. Right. So I'm definitely bad about it. Probably something I that's should a, try to get better at as well, I guess. That's the fellow like ounce of time boxing. I was like, Oh crap. Yeah, me too. <laughs> it, it's hard. I mean, it, it really is. And I get it. Right. Like there are times that I will say I have 30 minutes. I have a drop dead. I, I we get out what we need to get out at the beginning. If we want to use the rest of the time, fine. Otherwise, moving on. But it is hard, and it's a struggle. As somebody that believes that the the main reason you end up with really good people is because those people are allowed to think and and create solutions that they're proud of that that carry things further. Right. So now moving on from that one. That wait, Joe, did you have any thoughts on it before before I switch to the real one? It reminded me of some of the stuff I'd read about the differences between like leadership and management where like leadership is all about thinking big and like thinking about where to go and management is about kind of how to get there and is more tactical rather than strategic. And so I thought it was really interesting and like it just kind of like you said for mine was like recognizing the balance between like tactical and strategy and like, you know, big thinking and also focusing on current deadlines like sounds like a strength to even recognize that. It's hard. <laughs> it feels like a weakness because I feel like I'm constantly fighting that one. And and I know it internally, but I, I just, I don't know. I struggle with it. So on to the other one. And this one should be fairly quick because we've already done an episode on it. Targeted learning. I'm terrible at it. I'm absolutely terrible at targeted learning. So I'll set out to create a, a podcast app. Mm-hmm. And as I get into it, I'm like, uh, well, there's this identity framework in C Sharp. I need to know how that works. <laughs> you get in there and you're like, well, wait a second. If I use that, then I have set up an identity server. And if I do that, then I can tie it into this thing over here. And wait a second. There's this Azure key vault. And I really don't want to store my security credentials in my application. So I need to learn how to use this. But wait a second. I can't do that because I need to then go figure out how identity management works in Azure. And and there might be more of more than one of me that use this thing at the same time tonight while I'm developing it. So right. I need to make sure it can scale to a it's billion users. It's got to be concurrent. I mean, mm-hmm. so I am absolutely terrible 
at targeted learning. And and I think the episode that we did where Joe was convincing us that we were learning wrong was a very valid point because targeted learning should be what is your goal at the end of this, right? Like, are you really trying to sharpen a skill or create a skill versus I'm just going to go tinker because that's typically what I end up doing. And then I never finish it because I've gone down 80 rabbit holes. I'm mm-hmm. at the center of the earth at this point, and I'll never dig my way back out. You found Alice. I did. Yeah. <laughs> I did. It's like they see you're, like, you're changing the light bulb. And then you're, you're like, what's going on? You're like, well, I had to change the light bulb so I could see the keyboard, so I could replace the key, so I could type in the password, so I could, you know. There's my wife. My wife tells me about this all the time. Like, I'll be out, I don't know, cleaning up the garage, and I'll see something. I'm like, I didn't even remember I had this. And I got to go use it, right? <laughs> so it's like, man, that saw's been hidden forever. Let's turn that thing on and see what it does. So, you know, I'm just that guy. Like, I, I have a real hard time. If I don't have an end goal in mind, then like a very strict one, then I, man, I'm just bouncing all over the place. Does it have to anything to do with like your excitement about the goal itself? Like, are you more likely to wonder when it's a unappetizing goal? Oh, um, no, I don't think so. I, I actually don't believe it has anything to do with what the finish line might be. So there's a difference, right? Like when I have something that I have to get done, I'm very focused on getting it done. And and I'm usually pretty pragmatic. Like I don't write garbage code, but I don't write the most elegant code in the world. I'll I'll walk that line, right? And I'll get to the finish line. But if it's a learning exploration, doesn't matter how exciting it is at the end. It, it could be the most glorious thing ever. But if I got this shiny little thing that swam by me on the side, I'm over there. <laughs> like that's all there is to it. <laughs> oh, God. What yeah. a funny way to put that. So what about you? You struggle with that kind of stuff or? Um, yeah. I mean, I think, I think sometimes it's just the mechanics of the things though, that I guess is kind of what you're describing. It's like, you know, sometimes you get lost in just the mechanics of it. You know, I don't know, like maybe, maybe you want to play around with uh react. It could, it could like, we can, we can take this even much simpler, right? Like you want to play around with react and, and pick up react and you're like, well, I need to make this thing look good. So, Oh, Hey, the latest version of bootstrap, right. oh, what all they change? Oh, so now you start going down that rabbit hole and then it's like, you know, well, you really only wanted to focus on React, but now that you've gotten into it, you also picked up, you know, latest version of Bootstrap as well. So, you know, yeah, it, I think we all fall into that. And, and I will say, I'll flip this one too. I think it's on. It, it's a big weakness. Like not targeted learning is a weakness, but it's also one of the reasons why I have the breadth of knowledge and awareness of technologies that I do, because I, I, I'm just. I, I'm naturally curious and, and I have a hard time not crawling my way through every little thing that shows up. So, you know, it it doesn't allow me to really sharpen a particular skill that I go after, but it does open up my world of, Oh, this is interesting. I saw this. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the the term yak shaving dates back to Ren and Stimpy. Yak shaving. Yeah, that's the like the na- the word for like kind of like finding one more thing to do before you can do the thing. Like next thing <laughs> you know, you're the yak. But I loved Ren and Stimpy. <laughs> yeah. Am I the only one though that when Alan was time boxing, kind of thought that we were going to go to Pomodoros? Oh man, I'm terrible at those uh, too. Those drive me crazy. <laughs> yeah, I should probably try that. 
Uh, were you doing Pomodoro's there for a while? Oh, I forget. I was, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, it was kind of annoying because I, well, not because they were annoying, but just uh, I f- was trying to find like a good app for it. Mm. And, um, you know, feel free to write in with some suggestions. But yeah, I, as because I really wanted one that like would sync to the watch. And then that way I could just like stop, start and stop them on the watch. I didn't want to like have to use bother touching the phone or anything for it. Mm. Uh, Cause then that would be like a distraction right there. Like, Oh, there's an email or, you know, mm. Ooh, I want to play a game or something. Right? Uh, something would come up. Yeah. Developers life is full of distractions. Right. All right. So it's your turn. Yeah. So what did you come up with on Google? <laughs> yeah, I totally, I totally, uh, different. So, well, maybe different. Let's see. So, because I couldn't find a, a way to like, uh, what I wanted to find. Uh, apparently, Joe found some tests where he could have gone to and tested himself on something, and that would that's probably what I was looking for. And somehow, I, I that never came back in my searches. So instead, I just kind of took more of like, I guess maybe more of a pragmatic approach. Like, what's something that I want to be better at that I'm that I don't feel like I'm good at today? Um, and so, number one on my list was I really want to be better at Python. Like, I want to be as I want to be like if if Python was my daily driving language. Like that that I want to be there, hmm. right? But it's not my daily driver. And so that's why, like, I get kind of frustrated with it, you know, where, you know, where when I am working in Python, then I'm like, wait a minute, I, I want to do, I can't even think of a good example, but, you know, I want to split this matrix up and, you know, get rid of these other columns out of it or something like that. And it's like, oh, wait, I f- can't remember. How do I do that? And then, cause it's, because that's the thing that I hate about some of these, some of these things that we pick up, some skills that we learn and we pick up is because, you know, as we discussed before, if you don't regularly practice that, then you lose that muscle memory. And that's where that's, that's my pain with Python is that because it's not something I use on a daily basis, I'd like to, but I don't. Um, and I think it's like, you know, I mean, from everything that I, I read, it's like, definitely one of the top growing, you know, very important languages to be on top of. And it's like, I kind of want to know something about this thing, right? So is that a weakness to you because of the discipline you want to go into more or just because it's a popular language that you feel like you're missing out on? Definitely the discipline part is a big part of it, but just because um, it's not necessarily that it's the the second one about because it is going to be a big thing. I think that's why it's important though. But it, it, I just feel like I still stumble on some basic things that like in a C sharp or a JavaScript, for example, that I don't struggle with as much. That makes Does sense. that make sense? Yep. So it sounds like it frustrates you to do this thing that you want to be totally not frustrating and easy. Yes. So, so this weakness grew out of a frustration as well. I, I'm pretty sure that's what all these are going to end up being is things that yep. we feel like should be easy to us that just don't, that, uh, that don't feel that way. I might surprise you. Oh, okay, cool. I'm looking right. forward to it. Well, now I want to know. All right. Yeah. Hey, you want to go next? <laughs> no. no, I'll share something else after, uh, after my next one. Cool. 
I'll tease it. Okay. How's that? All right. All right, uh, Alan, was targeted learning part of your kind of first one? Yeah, it was. Okay. That's what I was saying. The time boxing was really more just, it wasn't dev related. It was more personal productivity management, time management. I don't know. That's why I just wanted to put it in that one. Yeah. So for my next one, um, a couple of years ago when I was doing some job, uh, some job kind of research, I was like, you know, I'm, I, I want to leave the job I'm at, no doubt about it. What do I want to go into next? And I kind of look at different like opportunities for like kind of employment, like consulting versus whatever big company, small company. And then I also did this big Venn Vin diagram where I was like, there's security, there's mobile, there's machine learning, there's e-commerce. And I kind of put like the big categories. Um, there's, uh, yeah. I don't remember what it all was on. I think I ended up with like seven circles and I kind of had like some overlapping and stuff and it was real cute. I should have saved it. And I, you know, and I think about now, like the circles that like, you know, five, six years later, whatever, however long it's been, this, there's circles that I've definitely spent more time in and there's ones that have totally dropped off my radar. And so the modern UI development is kind of one of those circles where like, I felt like I just kind of like dropped out of the race on, like I, I haven't built a angular one, two or four app. You know, I just kind of like, jumped off that train and now I don't know how to get back on it. Um, but, uh, the, the second week is I kind of felt like I totally just missed the train on and now it feels like it'd be really hard to get on is uh machine learning. I feel like it's this big, huge field and it seems like more and more companies are doing really cool stuff that you can't do any other ways. You know, I can't, whatever little app I do with like, you know, SQL server and whatever is not going to be able to compete with like the sophisticated algorithm. That's just, has the same data, but these people have this better and stronger vocabulary with it and know how to solve problems with it that I just don't even know how to approach. And uh, like, I'm not even aware that there is a problem. So I've got a lot of anxiety about kind of missing out on the whole machine learning trend. Hmm. That's interesting. I mean, outlaws probably got more, more insight on that as he's looked into it a little bit deeper, but that's where I feel like certain things like Azure services and even AWS, right? Like they make some of that stuff almost plug and playable to where you can play with things and not have to have a ton of knowledge, right? There's data scientists doing a lot of that stuff for you and you can leverage the tools that people have built and play with them. I think yep. you've even, you've even left links on some of our show notes on like uh, the Azure learning labs and all that kind of stuff. Like, I mean, there's just, so I, that's, I mean, I, I get it though. That's a big one. That's all you hear about anymore is machine learning this and machine learning that. But I get it though. It's, a, it's, it's a daunting, you know, subject, right? And it, it's, there, there's different approaches because I've thought about this one, this topic before, because there's the people who are trying to come up with the new algorithms and then there are people that are just trying to like use the existing stuff. So, the, you know, when you're talking about just using the tools, like you're not trying to create a new and better algorithm to, to learn something. You're just trying to use what's already there, but you still have to have a pretty, you know, good understanding of how to use it, what it means, like what, what, kind of errors to look for or what kind of, you know, results to look for and how to tweak those. So there's still a lot of detail there. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like for, for the, my current, you know, basically step zero of, you know, knowing like things, these things exist and, and that's it. Like for me to get kind of up to speed to where I could feel like I could solve like real world, like business problems with machine learning. Like I'm looking at a huge time investment at this point and knowing how, you know, me and how I operate, it's just not going to happen. 
I mean, I think it's very possible, though. I don't. I don't think it's impossible for you to pick it up at all. No, no, no. But I don't think it. I based in uh, relative to all the all the things that I want to do with my free time, like outside of work, this doesn't rank high enough for me to really invest time in. So, so it's a weakness because you feel like it's sort of the the trains left the station and you're standing there looking at it, right? Yeah. But I guess on the flip side of that, like you said, you know, you you look at at what you have available time wise and what interests you, and it sounds like it it's something that interests you, but it's not high enough to really register in terms of dedicating the time, right? Yeah, I've elected to have this chink in my armor. I so said I'd rather have my armor stronger in other areas and just let this one go. Yeah, and that one's fair. I mean, there's there's a lot of those things that we all have to pick and choose, right? I mean, we can't learn it all. There's too much. I mean, there's only been so much time in the day, right? And, and I mean, if you take it a step further, right? Like, so machine learning, I would almost argue is is sort of uh, I don't I don't want to say dying because that's a terrible term, but like AI is a new huge focus on things, right? The 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 learning aspect of things, not just finding models and patterns and that kind of stuff is it's the evolving that kind of thing. So, I mean, there's always going to be bigger and better and that's going to be a yeah, tough one. So the way I kind of thought about weaknesses and like now that I you know say it and we talked about it, like, I kind of think like, you know, when I said strengths and weaknesses, like it seems like I should have come up with things like estimating or time boxing. It seems like, or, you know, code organization or something. Those seems like the answers I should have come up with. But for whatever reason, when I kept thinking about this, I kept coming down to thinking, like, if I were to assess myself on kind of like a A through F score for, like, say, functional programming, D minus, you know, like machine learning, straight up F. You know, like UA, UX, like, I feel that's more like a, you know, C minus there because I feel like I can pick up with it. But, like, I feel like I'm not as far behind because I, I've got a solid understanding of HTML and vanilla JavaScript and maybe even CSS, you know, like those individual skills I'm higher on just overall picture. I don't feel like I'm where I should be given my years of experience, especially doing websites. I feel like I should be an A plus and I'm far from that. But machine learning is one where I'm just like, I'm an F and I'm staying F. (laughs) And it bugs you though, right? Like it's something that bugs you. Like you want to be, you want to have that knowledge and you want to know more about it, but, but you just don't want to dedicate the time to it. Yeah, if I go to lunch with some people and they're talking about the mobile dev that that they're doing, like I can at least say like, oh, I've got Android Studio. I've built like two crappy apps and put it on my phone or, you know, I've at least got some sort of uh, understanding of what's going on. You know, I know about Kotlin. I know what's going on in that world. Like machine learning, if like people are talking about two different classification algorithms or something like, I don't even know if classification algorithms are a thing, right? So. All right. So. Alan, what was your second so mine was almost what we've been covering or what we started to cover in the imposters uh, handbook handbook. So mine is, and this stems from being an employee at Amazon and seeing how their interview process is. And it's really frustrating slash annoying slash a weakness of mine. Just when you start talking about, almost like theoretical type things from school. When you were in school, that's what you did, right? Like you'd learn this stuff and those were the practice things you did. But like when you go into an interview for like an Amazon or something and they start talking about complex like tree searches and and different types of sorts and all that kind of stuff, like that's a gap. And it's a gap because I haven't done that stuff in so long that 
I've forgotten what I've forgotten, right? Like I don't even remember any of it anymore. And, and that's a weakness. And it frustrates me. Like when we start talking about big O notation or we talk about, you know, more efficient algorithms or a way to do a tree sort or a tree search or something like that. Like it's one of those things that is a real mental exercise. Right. And, and it's a weakness. Like if I were to go into an interview today and they said, you know, what's the best way I would, I would have some data structures in my mind that I would use to accomplish a task. But, but because I'm not in that, um, uh, learning mode of like, the education type side of things, the, the more theoretical, the more the, uh, I can't think of the word right now, but because I'm like, more I'll, say academic, academic, that's what I was looking for because I'm not in the academic side of the world. I, I would have to really sit down and go through something like the, um, uh, cracking the coding interview book and like really work through it from cover to cover to get my mind back in that mode. Right. Or I'd have to go, uh, as a matter of fact, I have a link that I'll share here that is interesting. It was somebody that basically who had gone on interviews, super technical interviews and made a list of these various different things that you know, that he found frustrating in interviews because they were either gaps in his knowledge or whatever. And they were super academic, a lot of them. So that's, that's a weakness of mine is just being able to quickly look at something and say, you know, that's a log, uh, in log and, you know, big O notation or something like that. And it's a frustration, right? Because it's one of those things that I, I knew at one time and I just, I don't use it in day to day. And so, so I would have to go back and reinforce all that. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, we didn't mention before, but we actually got some really excellent feedback last episode. And I kind of don't want to touch it because like, I feel like it's really hard to talk about. And some of the, the points that people were making in the comment section were like really kind of poignant. And, and like, I just don't have the background to really discuss them intelligently. However, there are people in the comments, uh, notably the, the author of the book, the, the Muster uh, Handbook, um, Rob Connery, who really had some, some great insight and had some things to say about that. So if you're interested in that episode, I just wanted to mention, uh, sorry to sidetrack, but I thought that no, definitely fit in there. Yeah, definitely. And, and I would say go look at episode 81's comments because there was some great stuff. And this is, this is where academia plays a huge role, right? Like when you start talking about the theories and all that stuff behind it, like, it's a big shift from everyday real world development problems to theory, right? And to, and to conceptual things that you don't necessarily use in day to day work. And so it, it's kind of frustrating that you've got, you know, all these years of experience. And if somebody comes to me and says, Hey, we need to build this out, I can tell you exactly it, off the top of my head what I think would work out really well. But, but then you start talking about how would you do this binary search thing? It's like, Oh man, let me whiteboard this, right? This is going to take me a little while and it's going to hurt my brain and I'm going to need to take a nap, right? It, it's just, I don't know. Those kind of things still frustrate me a little bit. Yeah. Oh, I hear you. Uh, Outlaw, what do you think? So it's kind of interesting to hear Alan's take on this. Um, I, I took the approach of algorithms. <laughs> so, Kind of along the lines, like if I if I were to like blur what you both of you two said, 
that's kind of where that one is because it was kind of like, well, you know, it's been a long time. You know, if, if, if you had to come up with the, you know, a Bellman Ford algorithm off the top of your head, it'd be like, ah, I mean, I've definitely read about it recently. I don't remember. Right. Like, you know, those are the kind of things where it's like, just, you know, I don't know, is it a muscle memory that I need? So maybe kind of along the lines of what Joe was saying with machine learning, like, uh, you know, I'm probably not going to bother with it, but it's one of those things where I kind of feel guilty. Like, ah, I should probably know that algorithm, like off the top of my head. Right. Or, you know, other algorithms, like just like, because that way you reckon that way, this is, this is where the guilt comes in is because like by knowing them off the top of your head, then you know when you need them and you can recognize when you should be using them because otherwise if you don't, then you don't know what you don't know. And then you might start going down a bad path and create a really bad solution to a problem where there's a well-known trusted algorithm for it. It's just like design patterns. So, so those, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I actually, we've talked about this guy before back in way back episode 48. There is a guy out there named John Washham. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And uh, I'll have, I'll have a link to it, but he basically created a, um, he basically set out that, Hey, I want to get hired at Google as a engineer. I remember that. Right. Yeah. And, and so he set out this outline for himself and spent like the next eight months working on it. Right. He eventually, uh, ended up getting hired by Amazon instead of Google. So it was kind of humorous that you brought that up, but, um, you know, he had a, he had a lot of information in there. Right. And, you know, a lot of it on like all kinds of different books, you know, uh, if you wanted to study on data structures, if you want to study on algorithms, uh, you know, here's books on C sharp to study that here's, here they are in Python, here they are in Java, whatever. Right. Just a wealth of information in this, um, this GitHub repo, uh, that I'll, include a link to, but, um, it also just totally, <laughs> I, I want to come back to some of this, but one of the things, one of the resources he has out there is uh flashcards that he made for himself as a way to study these things. And man, I went through them and I was like, Oh man, I'm a moron. Like trying to go through some of these. I, I'm going to hit you guys up with some questions later, but it was, yeah, it, it was awesome. It, but yeah, so so that was that was another one where I was like, well, if I if I had to think of something since I can't find like a way to like truly test this, you know, find like, you know, cuz maybe there's something more basic, uh then that's something I feel like there's probably a bunch of algorithms that I don't know off the top of my head anymore that I should probably go back and practice that's, and and regain that muscle memory. So we we almost had the 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 same last weakness there. Yeah, I was like, dang it, Alan cheated. <laughs> he picked mine. In fairness, so everybody knows, none of us have put notes in this one because we, we didn't want each other to know what our weaknesses were. So, <laughs> Oh, but this was another thing too, though. So because like, and, and this kind of goes along the same lines with this because I thought about it like from another point of view of like, well, I don't know that it's necessarily a developer weakness maybe, but I guess it kind of is interviews mm. right mm-hmm. like yeah i think the, that's totally legit. the technical interview 
right? As a weakness. And, you know, I mean, again, John's repo here is all about studying for, you know, the technical re- uh, technical interview for Google, right? So I wasn't sure like how that one got classified. Though, so that's why I didn't, you know, end up going with it, you know, because I was kind of like, well, that's kind of maybe a soft skill, I guess. Like, no, nah, it's both. And, and to be fair, I think that what we just said with our algorithms, academia type stuff, that is a huge part of why they're important is for the interview, mm-hmm. especially if you're interviewing with a Microsoft, a Google, an Amazon, an Oracle, any of the big software companies out there, you got to have those, right? Yeah. And then there is the soft skill side of things. And that's, you know, we've talked about it before and we'll reiterate it here. If you're going for an interview with a company, it doesn't matter what company it is. It doesn't matter whether it's one of the big software companies or not. If you don't do your homework like you would for a test beforehand, then you're shooting yourself in the foot, right? You should at least polish up on things so that when you go in there, you have a confidence. There's some muscle memory to whatever you're doing and it'll ease some of the tension. The last thing you want to do is go in and be overconfident and look like a fool when you walk out. Yeah, I mean, this totally made me fall down a rabbit hole, though, because um, I started approaching this topic as I was trying to, like, again, I was coming at it from the point of view of, like, well, how can I, like, truly assess this, right? So that that's where I spent, like, a, a good bulk of my time trying to prepare for this thing. But then when I remembered about uh, this guy's repo, I was like, oh, yeah, I wonder, you know, like, what would it take, like, what, what? what does Google, what would a Google interview be like? Right. And so, you know, I found some resources. I'll I'll include some links to these, but uh, you know, how Google hires, what that process is like. Um, And Google even has like their uh, guide, their developer guide to grow your technical skills uh, with Google. Right. And, And it was like a whole other set of like, you know, we've talked about other learning resources like uh Pluralsight, countless times right um i think lynda.com has come up uh now linkedin learning yeah so um google has their own set of like you know learning that you could do and you can start with like hey i want the the foundations that i need to start with versus like oh i'm already i already am experienced like let's start with advanced learning versus hey i'm i'm a teacher what do I need to know in order to be able to teach somebody? Right. Like, so, so it was a pretty neat little resource that they had there. But, um, one thing that though was that I, I read multiple times about the Google interview specifically was that the, if anyone is listening to this wants to hire Google, that it was kind of like, don't put it off. Like it's better to go after it sooner rather than later because like you like even John in one of his write-ups was saying like hey you know I, I spent these eight months trying to study for this thing right and that was eight months like maybe I could have put towards you know writing putting an app in the app store uh, you know working on whatever other skills he might have wanted to work on right so you know even though he he left the thing kind of thinking like well you know maybe I spent my time wisely or maybe I could have spent it better and uh, one of the thoughts was that specifically at Google, 
the longer, the more experience you have, the longer you've been developer, the more they expect, the harder it is, the harder the interview would be. And so one of the articles I was reading was like, Hey, if you, if you are just out of school, for example, and you want it and Google was like your target, it'd be better to go after that as soon as possible, rather than saying, I'm going to wait a year or two and get some experience and then come back to Google because then that interview is going to be harder. I guess uh, you do it once to get kind of a, a sense of what you need and you might get the job the first time. So, you know, spend one month, give it a shot. And then if that doesn't go through, you got seven more months to try again. Yeah. But, but it is totally true. If you're coming into one of those big companies as an intern or a, you know, somebody fresh out of school, they'll bring you in because their hopes are if they see the spark in you, then they're going to train you up and you're going to be a rock star in their team that they got in early on. So you do have a better opportunity getting into companies early on, especially big companies that hire a lot of engineers, right? Like going to a small company that, that needs to put out a product fast, maybe not. But if we're talking to one of the big ones out there, yeah, man, the earlier, the better. All right. And, um, just kind of curious too if you guys had any sort of like honorable mentions, like things you thought about, but just we didn't really talk about or touch on. Uh, I see you got some there that are pretty good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I got um, estimating and just regular, um, not even so much code organization, although I could definitely use a serious dose of that too, but just organization. Like I feel like I'm always trying different techniques for organization and I'm always like, I think it's just not like a natural strength of mine and maybe I need to keep working on it. But like I'm always trying bullet journaling or to do ass or different kinds of things for staying on top of the ball. And like for the most part, like those things work for me, but I just never really feel comfortable. And I, I always just feel like I'm, you know, on the verge of dropping some ball. I don't want to drop. I'd rather make a deliberate decision than have something just slip on off my radar by accident. Yeah. The estimating I think is impossible. It, it's so hard. I mean, it really is. The organization, I'll just say Inbox 1000. All you people with this Inbox Zero garbage, get out of here. Like, yeah. your Inbox is a search box. <laughs> That's all you need to know. <laughs> inbox like, I feel Infinite. Like at, at the end of the day, like, I'm happy with kind of results, like the way I kind of track tasks and stuff for the most part. Like, I feel like I, I check them off, like, not that many sleep, things slip through the cracks. You know, it happens sometimes. So, overall, I'm happy with the outcome. It just, for me, like, I feel like I'm constantly, like thinking about organizing, like I'm frequently like kind of slap myself on the wrist. Like, did you write that down first? Or, you know, like I, I feel like I'm constantly struggling to keep organized. So it's like I'm running on the, the hamster wheel. Yeah, I get that. Especially when you're actually to, the organization personal, isn't that hard. The organizing of multiple people is really hard, right? Like yeah. w- when you're trying to get answers from six or seven different people or something, that is, is just incredibly difficult. Um, so, yeah, I think what I'm kind of talking about, like, you know, I'm like, I go in, you know, like first thing, nine o'clock in the morning, whatever, and someone's got, uh, you know, there's like two emails from the night before. So I'm like, okay, add that to the to-do list. And then, of course, the third is like the one thing like I really want to focus on. And as I'm talking to one person, like someone else kind of pings. And so I add that to the list. And so, and I feel like my overall, my system's working. I just hate that I'm constantly like, oh, oh yeah, the list. Oh, yeah, the list. It never feels natural to me. And I don't know if you guys ever felt that way or or how you guys keep track of that stuff. I don't keep a list. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in my head. Yeah. I'll, See, I'll I feel like one. everyone else can just keep it in their head. And like, I constantly have to be like diligently like writing stuff down and like 
Xing them out. The the only thing that I typically put in a list, I will flag things like in my email for a follow up if it's something that has to be done by next week or something, right? Like, and then that way I'll get the reminder and I'll look at it, you know, every day to make sure, okay, have I, have I followed up on this? But if it's just the daily stuff, usually I'm pretty decent at, at managing that stuff internally. Um, because yeah, managing lists, they would drive me crazy. See, I hate that you can do that without a list. <laughs> I, I, and the, to be fair, I'm pretty good at it, but it's just like you said, some things fall through, but I'm not convinced that they wouldn't have fallen through even on a regular list, right? Because it's like you said, you get pulled in 80 different directions and it's like, ah, uh, you know, I forget. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely feel you on the estimating though. That is so hard. It's just, yeah, like we ought to do an episode on it, except I really don't want to. No, nah, I, I really don't because then we'd have to estimate what we're going to come up with on the episode. <laughs> I really wish that we wouldn't even call them estimates, just guesstimates. They, they really are. And, and that's the frustrating thing, right? Like it's, it's danged if you do, danged if you don't, right? You, you pick one that you think is a fair estimate and then you're going to get questioned about it. Like, oh, that's too long. Or wait, or do you really think it's only that long? And it's like, right. man, really? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Leave me yeah. alone. If we just called it guess, yeah. then no one would second guess it. Yeah, well, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I, I got two kids that would probably argue it. Oh. <laughs> so. All right. Well, uh, you want to pick, pick up with the strengths after the uh, call to action? Yes, let's do that. So uh, with that, guys, we appreciate it. Thank you for the reviews you've left. We got some really good ones this last go around. Uh, some great suggestions as well that we'll, we'll try and squeak into a show here in the near future. So thank you for taking the time and going up and, and leaving us some kind words and for clicking those stars, whether it be in iTunes or Stitcher. And if you haven't done so and you like us a little bit and you would like to go up and put a smile on our face, you can do so by heading to codingblocks.net slash review and click on one of those things over there and go leave us some, some kind words. We would super appreciate it. All right, and with that, let's get ready to survey! <laughs> and uh, thank you, Mike, from Slack for recommending that. That's been a fun little way to introduce this. It is. So, uh, last episode, we asked, how important is it that developers have an understanding of computer science topics? Your choices are, uh, No. Or, uh, yeah, I, I guess it's good. Or, it's not mission critical, but I prefer working with people who know their O from their theta. Or, lastly, super important, and I can prove it mathematically if you accept my base case. So, let's pick, Alan, you go first. Man, you know what? This one's hard for me. I think, I think, and I'm basing this only on our Slack group. I think that we're going to see people that are passionate about this and they're going to say it's not mission critical, but I prefer working with people who know their O from their theta. And I don't think this is going to be a runaway. So let's go with 27%. Okay. All right. Well, I guess then I'm going to go with, uh, yeah, I guess it's good at 27%. <laughs> so both of you, 27%. Joe is, uh, yeah, I guess it's good. And Alan is, it's not mission critical, 
critical, but I prefer working with people who know their O from their theta. Yep. One of us is going to win. <clears throat> and that would be Joe. Ah, it's not you. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it was Alan. But you're both like I way mean, under. You both picked the uh, the top choices, but you're both way under as well. Okay. Yeah. Well, what did this end up being? I'm going to say 50. 48% of the vote. Okay. Was it's not mission critical. Hmm. And then uh, 40 was, I guess it's good. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is when you run into people, it, I think that it all boils down to when somebody sees code that is so obvious that people didn't have a base understanding of what was going on, it really angers them, right? And I, th- that's why I chose that one because I think that's where it, if there weren't those silly, just, um, I don't know, naive mistakes made, then I think that people wouldn't be as passionate about it. But when they see something, it's like, man, if you would have just been in a class, you know, then that would have been avoided. Right. So, yeah. That's cool. interesting. Well, at least we weren't super surprised. Nah. So, this episode, for this episode survey, we ask, do you regularly evaluate your weaknesses in an effort to strengthen them? And your choices are, oh my God, daily. <laughs> or... <laughs> Uh, I try to pick up a new skill or get better at an existing one every few months. Or, yeah, but realistically, probably only once or twice a year. Or, I learn what I want to learn when I want to learn it. Or, no, that's why I listen to you guys. (laughs) And lastly, why? I already know everything I need to know. I dare someone to pick that one. <laughs> uh, I think Alan just voted for it. Wait, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Probably. Uh, <laughs> Watch that one be the runaway winner. Yeah, uh, it might be. All right, so back into the topic. So we talked about our, our dev weaknesses. And so now um, I think we all had a tough time for this, except for maybe Alan <laughs> talking about our, our development strengths. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and uh, stick with the same format. Uh, funnily enough, um, I think that relative to how much, maybe how much time I put into it or keep on to it, I think I think I uh, tend to actually do really well with uh, algorithmic and despite <laughs> the topic class week, like algorithmic and uh, kind of uh, academic-y type stuff. And I think that this is because, I, like, in job interviews too, like technical interviews, I think this is because I always had a chip on my shoulder about not graduating from college. And so I, man, I banged my head against the project Euler wall for so long to, to get to where I did in there. Like I, I've done a lot of code wars. I've done code fights. I've done a little bit of hacker rank. Like I've always kind of gone after these kind of problems. And so whenever I see like a binary T problem or something like, I feel like instantly, like I want to know, or if somebody I know goes on an interview, like I always want to hear what questions, you know, they were asked and like start thinking about it. Um, there's a, there's a, a Slack person I talked to, Vaughn, if you're listening, 
to that's uh, been doing a bit of interviewing. And so he's been talking about, uh, we've been talking about their problems a little bit. And every time it says like, it's a change problem where they give you the quantities. Like it doesn't matter that I'm, you know, at public shopping, all of a sudden I'm like, hold on, you know, honey, take the cart. <laughs> you know, I'm going to be in the bread aisle, like trying to figure out this problem. Like I just, you know, there's something I really like about those types of problems and like recursion and um, pr- pretty much the uh, algorithmic side of things where like, if I hear a problem, like I want to solve it, I want to solve it in a good performant time. I like that. I don't know why I kind of gravitate to it, but it, it's something that uh, I've traditionally done well with. So that's awesome. And, and to be fair, you're only like a couple of classes away from graduating, right? But yeah, and it's all like science classes. It, but you still got that chip, math. Yeah, yeah. yeah you gotta have something that drives you. But so much of it, I think, was those project Euler problems. Is it's one of those um, brute forcing doesn't work because it takes too long. So like if you try to do like the, the brute force solution to a problem, like it might take you computer 24 hours to compute. So like you don't have a choice, but to solve every problem in, you know, close to optimal solution. So like there were some times where like, even like the beginning problems, I first started, it's like problem number seven. I remember being just a nightmare, but I just kind of kept going with it. And uh, after a time, like now, whenever I go into an interview or someone tells me an interview problem, like so many times, like my mind Im- immediately jumps back. I'm like, that sounds like number 33. <laughs> and so I feel like I cheated in a lot of ways because I've kind of put that time in. And so many problems are similar to the problems that I've done that I've just kind of built up that skill, I think. Well, you finished most of it, right? Or if not all of it. No, no, not at all. No, okay. <laughs> it's so much harder. So like there's people out there that are like laughing in the booth. I think I got to level two, which is actually level three. Uh, before they lost their database. Uh, uh, but I still have all my problems checked in, so I could go through and do, redo it again. But yeah, they start at level zero. So you start at nothing and you go level O, level one, level two. Man, that's that's coolness. All right. It probably goes up to like level six or something. So it's embarrassing to even say like, I got to level two, but man, I worked hard to get there. Yeah, yeah I've done a few of them and I just ain't nobody got time for that. All right. So mine... It is somewhat along the same lines. Uh, it's not algorithms, but I think what I'm pretty good at is taking complex problems and breaking them down into workable solutions. And I'm good at learning what I don't know in order to accomplish whatever that is. Like I, I think so. So I guess the way that I'd put that is I can I, I have I have the ability to visualize something in terms of the pieces that make it work, right? And then on top of that, I'm pretty resourceful when it comes to if I don't know how to get something done, I know how to find out how to get it done so that so that I can either help do it myself or, you know, help somebody else put the pieces together. So I resourcefulness. Yeah, I I would say that's what it is, like resourceful in learning how to make the solution work. So that's, that's one of the things that, so it's problem solving, right? Like it's one of the reasons I like programming. I love problem solving. Uh, did you guys like growing up as a kid, did you ever do those? Uh, they give you the grids that had people on the left and, and, you know, places on the top and it's like, Hey, Sally visited this today. You know, what did, oh, yeah. what did Jane not do? And it was like, Oh yeah. I mean, I would sit there for hours doing those, right? Like that was just, that was fun to me. I love solving problems and, and it's just like a big puzzle for me and I enjoy it. Like Sally went to the high school, Joe bought the perfume. Right. And Michael likes dogs. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Now, now which one of these did this? <laughs> yep. So yeah, that's mine. Yeah. I kind of had a 
trouble with this part of it because it was like, well, how do, how do you, but again, because I could never find the stupid assessment, it was like, well, I don't know what to say that my strength is. So like, like how do you really come across with something that doesn't sound like overly cocky or anything? But I guess one thing that I thought was, well, if I were to take like an introspective look, like I think I'm pretty good at paying attention to detail. Oh God, yes, for sure. But <laughs> yes. You asked me like I feel a little reassured by those responses. <laughs> by the way, <laughs> before he goes further, there is nobody more detail oriented than Outlaw. Like no. probably on the planet. Like if there's nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine permutations, he's thought of them all. I feel like yeah. you know, like when um. Like, sadly, you know, it's weird to bring up Steve Jobs' death at this time. But you remember, like, when it, when he died, and there was like all these stories that were coming out about, you know, like there were the autobiographies or biographies or whatever about him, and you know, there were a lot of stories that were coming out about like how uh, his father uh, raised him to where it was like, well, you can't just make this side of the fence look pretty; you got to make the side that we don't see also look pretty, right? Like, I could totally relate to his father. Right. Like that, that makes all the sense in the world to me. Like, oh, yeah, of course. You know, because if somebody comes up on that side, you know, you still want to, you've got to represent, right? Still got to look good. So, yeah, I feel like I'm pretty good at like following a detail through a complicated system and, and paying attention to that. Yeah. I think uh, we, you know, we talked about you like having a hard time coming up with the strength of like, I just like instantly I was like, well, here's four. Like, no problem. And like, that was number one. Like, you know, it like took me like oh, a quarter it? of a second to come up with like, I didn't even remember you said that. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, oh, dang it. <laughs> yeah. Come it, on with it, another one. And when we say detail oriented, also like edge cases, right? Like he thinks about the things that nobody else thought about. Like it, it's, it is a strength. It is, it, it's, uh, there's very few people that have that ability to think through a problem that thoroughly. And, and that's, yeah, I can't. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's impressive. I don't got it. Well, I mean, part of my thinking on that, though, as it relates to our career, though, is that, you know, that I think there's like some kind of cliche saying or something like that, where it's like, you know, 80% of it is easy. It's, it's the 20%, that that final 20% crossing that finish line. That's what we get paid to do. Yeah. Right. The devil's in like, the details. Yeah. The devil's in the details. That That's the part that we're, we're getting paid to do. So that's kind of like why it's just kind of been beaten into my head, you know, they're like, Hey, pay attention to detail, pay attention to detail. Right. Cause it's the details that matter. You ever heard of that story from uh, Van Halen where they're on a tour and they have this like hundred page document. Oh, yes. I'm sure you've heard it. Yes. And like one of the items in this like hundred pages of stuff that you, they had to get ready for their arena shows was like no Brown M&Ms. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. And the was deal was rider. they would come in and if there were any Brown M&Ms, it was kind of like a canary. Cause they would say, Oh, obviously you didn't read our contract and we've got pyrotechnics, we've got lights and sounds, all the stuff that needs to be done meticulously and done correctly. So if you can't get the M&Ms right, how am I supposed to trust that you got the big stuff right? right? And uh, like whenever someone mentions that story, I'm always like, I know somebody yeah. who would have got those M&Ms right. <laughs> oh man, you, yeah. put it, you put any kind of contract in front of me, my wife hates it because I've got to read the whole thing. It doesn't matter. Yep. Yeah, that's smart. I'm completely the opposite. My wife gets really mad at me. Like, man, I'll I'll the guy it. that you want and don't want on your pull request. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that's funny. For the same reason. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, I meant to ask, like, uh, I, I teased the flashcard things earlier and uh, never did get to ask it. So this was one of the resources that uh, John Washam, God, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, and if I'm not, I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> Put out there though, and it it was another repo that he links off of, but he had like the normal. So you could basically what he did was he created this whole site or app, and that you could spin up. You it's even Dockerized. You could just spin it up, and uh, it was a web app that you could use to test yourself. You know, flashcards you can create your own, but he includes two different databases of cards that he already has loaded up if you wanted to see like what he was testing himself with. And um, I didn't even load up the extreme one because just the normal one made me feel dumb, like <laughs> trying to, trying to go through some of these. So uh, let's see. Let's do this let's, on air and put us all on the all spot. Right. I love this. Yeah. Well, let's make sure I'm not the only dumb one among us. <laughs> I need to feel better about myself. Oh, here we go. What is the log of N factorial? What? Right? Uh, wait, hold on. Log of n factorial. Would it be? Would it just be n? zero? N times the log of n. Oh, of course. N log n. Yeah. Yeah. You know, first of all, like I guessed at that. Like I like <laughs> that's something that I knew at one point. Like how to figure that out, but not anymore, man. Right. Yeah. Uh, how about? How about just a simple yes or no? So you got a 50-50 chance. Can you multiply a 3 by 2 and a 2 by 6 matrix? Why not? <laughs> Why not? No. Uh, Joe had it. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> the, answer, like, the answer wasn't quite why not, but it was a yes. Yeah, it was a yes. Yeah. Into the n log n, the uh, n factorial one, like that. That's actually important. Like we talked about dynamic programming last time, and I could see how you could have an n factorial problem. Know it's n factorial. So like, oh, I see a change here. That's going to reduce the things that I'm looking at to a, a logarithm of what I'm currently looking at. I should be able to, from that point, be able to say like, oh, if this ran in an hour before, it's going to run in what now? But without like those polished chops, like that's not a question I could easily answer. Yeah, I mean, there's a bunch in here too about like patterns, like what's the proxy pattern? Um, that I don't think that's a pattern that we've ever covered. Mm-mm. Nope. I mean, I know what a proxies are usually used right, for. Right. So if you had to guess based off the of name alone, you might say you hand it off. And yeah, it some sort work. of go between it kind of. Yeah. I would. I don't want to say translates, but almost like reflects, passes it along. Yeah. So. His definition that he has here is provides a surrogate or placeholder for another object to control access to it. Okay. Right. Yeah. But it'd be nice to have that stuff on the tip of your tongue though, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. How how about this one? We we've, cause we kind of talked about this one or at least by name, this one has come up in the past couple episodes. What is the Bellman Ford algorithm? Charming salesman, wasn't it? Graph traversal which would be what it's for. It's an algorithm that computes the shortest paths from a single source vertex to all the other vertices in a weighted diagram. 
Isn't it funny that we've got 82 episodes in now? Each one represents like multiple hours of kind of dealing with different subjects in programming. Plus, there's all the episodes that we didn't make or the things we talked about doing and then didn't do. And there's all the things we've talked about in Slack and then over the things that, you know, our various careers were like, what, 15 years a piece? Mm-hmm. And like we get to the normal flashcards for Google interviews. We're like, uh, N squared? <laughs> right. right. Uh, don't know. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's the thing. It's so big. Which one? Which one's yep. faster, Dijkstra's algorithm or the Bellman Ford? Dijkstra's is in to third power. I think it's three four loops. So hey, I'm going to get algorithm garbage. I'm not answering this. <laughs> no, no, no. You got to answer uh, Dijkstra's. Okay. And Joe, you said. I think it's Bellman. Uh, well, then Alan got it right. Woo-hoo. So you wow. get some. But what's the advantage? Can I you name no the advantage? No, Joe. No. Uh, Bellman Ford can handle graphs in which some of the weights, the edge weights are negative numbers. Dijkstra, they have to be all positive numbers. Oh. Hmm. Yeah, when I said uh, algorithms, I meant like, you know, solving those puzzly crap questions. <laughs> Not named algorithms. Right. But when I said algorithms, yeah. this was the kind of stuff that I was talking about. Right. Though. That's funny. Yeah. Wow. That's so great. like, you know, yeah, I, Graph traversal type problems, like knowing which one, when to use it, which one's better, for what reason, blah, blah, blah. All well, right. Well, well, dang. Yeah. Now I want to, you have a link in the show notes, right? Yeah. I'll, I'll have a link to, I'll have a link to the flashcards as well as John's main um, repo here, which when, when we first talked about it back in episode 48, I think the repo was named something along the lines of uh, Google Interview University. And he ended up changing it over the years to just the coding interview university. Nice. Uh, and it's still a growing repo, but he, he has his parts of it. And then there's like other areas where he's like, you know, Hey, feel free to like add to here. So like some of the classes, so, so there's videos that he has references to that are like behind paywalls, like um, maybe a lynda.com or something, or something that is maybe seasonal on, uh, one of the learning platforms like a Udacity or something like that, that you can't always go to. And so, you know, if you definitely can find something that is uh, always available, like on YouTube, he would much prefer to have those resources available. And indefinitely, if they are, um, have you ever seen how like on YouTube specifically, like you can find course lectures from Harvard or MIT or whatever that are, you know, always available on YouTube, right? Like really those are too. definitely preferred. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Hey, on one of the honorable mentions here, I had one like where you were saying that the UI thing, at least the frameworks, like I, I'm pretty decent at UI stuff. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think it would have been funny if we would have done each other's like, or could have kind of guessed what we were going to say. Like I definitely would have pegged you for uh, getting it done type stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Come hell yeah. or high water. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't mean that. Just uh, kind of having a, a good pragmatic sense for um, kind of balancing like the business needs and uh, kind of keeping that uh, the priorities the priority. You, you know what? So let, let's do this. I uh, let's. I think for you, I would have said, um, "Oh, I don't want to do this." Ability to jump in and help people out in just about any situation, like you do that well and a lot. That's another one of those things. Like um, if, if there's like someone told me there's a bug or something that they're having a hard time with, like unless I'm up to my neck and something else, like 
it just, it pains me to not kind of jump in. So like, actually for my honorable mentions, I had like debugging and kind of ownership. Cause like, those are two things. Like if there's a bug in my area, like, so it says, Hmm, something weird happened. Like, I, you know, I really want to know, but a lot of times I get kind of swamped and stuff. And so it kind of like, depending on how far down the death much I am, and you know, whatever various project, like those strengths slip, which I, I hate. But, uh, I think I, that was a close, that was definitely on my mind for something I was going to list. Um, for outlaw, I would also say one of the strengths is, is just the ability to jump in on basically anything like just, and, and almost have, and it's sort of weird to say this, but almost have an empathy towards the problem, right? So, so understanding the pains that it's causing and what to do to resolve those pains. So I think, I think it might be an extension of the detail oriented, but like literally, I mean, I can't think of many things that you haven't done in terms of just random freaking out there things, right? Like anything from DevOpsy type stuff to testing to uh, process flows to setting up, you know, build environments or whatever, like just, just, you know, the ability to get in, understand a problem and attack the problem. But I kind of view that as different take. I have a different take on that. And that's why this episode was also really one of the comments that I remember making to one of you guys or both of you guys that I had a really hard time about because I kind of view myself as, uh, if you've heard the expression, a jack of all trades, master of none. Like, so, I mean, to your point, like, yeah, I jump into something, but it's not like I, I don't feel like if you you know, remember we've had that conversation about, you know, being the T-shaped developer, mm-hmm. right? And that's where it feels like, you know, it's more like I'm a dash, right? <laughs> so, like, sorry, man, can't, I, I can't let that. I'm a, I'm a big minus sign. No, that's not true. You're a bucket. No. <laughs> that's not a dash. No, that is it's not even a bucket. Thick, it's a barrel. <laughs> that's a thick honking dash, man. Yeah, like video processing, DevOps, uh, machine learning, JavaScript. Like, okay. here's the other things no. I wrote to you the, the, the other day were like attention to detail, pitbull persistence, depth of understanding, and thoughtfulness. Like, you know, for, when I said like kind of ownership, like. It's not, that's not true. Cause like if some, something weird is happening in my app, I could let it go. You can't let it go. You like, you want to know why it's happening under what conditions, like what it is like. And so I, I do think whether it's JavaScript or C sharp or SQL or whatever, like it, you can't just, you know, l- like be okay with something being weird or whatever. You like, you always have to investigate. And that's why there's no way I would say a dash. <laughs> like, but that's a negative though. But no, that's a bad thing though. No, disagree. Like not being, not being willing to walk away, to step away from something and move on to the next problem. No, I disagree because it, we've talked about this stuff before, right? Like the, it's the pains that we've experienced as developers that make us as good as what we are now. Because we've experienced those pains, we have a better understanding of what we're walking into 90% of the time, not all the time. Um, but I, I'll agree, right? Like you're the bucket shaped developer. <laughs> you're not, you're not the minus or the dash. No. And, I'll, and I'll give a perfect example here. And this is real life example, right? So. <clears throat> At our current gig, you know, when, when we all first started doing this stuff, it was a small shop. Like when somebody said, Hey, we need a build to give to a customer. It was literally go into Visual Studio, (laughs) right click publish, you know, and and produce the thing, right? Like it is in a lot of small shops. Exactly. And so a, a dash shaped developer would be like, okay, well, I can automate this thing. You know, I'll set it up to where it'll run MS build and then we're done, right? 
So that's where maybe the dash shape guy goes in there. He's like, okay, I got my DevOps piece and I'm done. That's not Mike, right? Like when Mike got in there, he looked at it. He's like, hmm, I don't really like this hard coded thing. Let me figure out how to get that out. I'm going to extract that out. Okay. I got that out, but I really don't like this because there's not a pattern here, right? Like I can't really make sense of this thing and nobody else will be able to make sense of it. Let me break it down into its constituent pieces and put it in a build pipeline so that everybody can look at the process. And it's this nice, pretty tree, right? So that's where, and this is where. I think it's important for people to really reflect on their strengths. It is real easy as developers. And, and man, I'm talking to everybody that does this stuff to get lost in the fact that we're the one percenters who understand this crap, right? When you talk to any other person outside of our profession, they know less than a fraction of what we do about how these things work. And so it's real easy because of our depth and breadth of knowledge to understand how much we don't know. But if you look on the other side of it, we have so much knowledge in this stuff that that it's amazing when you think about how much you gain over time. And like what you're saying, you think you're a dash shape developer because you're all over the place, but I've never seen anything you've done. That's been halfway on anything, right? Like it, it, when you touch something, you don't just touch it and walk away. You're going to make sure that it's left nice and tidy so that when you walk away, you feel good about the next person that came in behind you. And that's not a dash shape developer. That's not a, a thin T. That is somebody that took the time to be thoughtful about how it was set up, what it was going to do. And when you walk away from it, you don't have to think about it. And that's, that's a big difference. And at least in my opinion, because most people don't operate that way. I guess, I guess like one of the things like, you know, okay, so going back to the, uh, what was it, the myth of the genius programmer kind of thing, right? Like, there's definitely, I feel like we definitely work in a, in a, uh, career path where it's very easy to have insecurities about certain things, right? And, you know, there's like all of these, like, you know, the whole, uh, DC universe about, like, you know, there's gods among us, right? Or, you know, uh, the, the, you know, you, like, cause there's, the people out there that are putting out the books like Rob, for example, you know, Rob Connery with the imposters handbook, you know, you have the, um, John Skeet, you have uncle Bob, like all these people that are putting out books, right. That are just, you know, they're like the gods among us. Right. And it's easy to, to feel kind of inadequate, inadequate if you're not one of those people. Right. I feel like I forget like everything like if after a week i've forgotten something like <laughs> alrighty like i don't know if you guys feel the same way oh yeah you know but it's like yep. you know like even even today alan and i were looking at some code that i had worked on i don't even remember how long ago it was that i worked oh, on that yeah. code yeah. but let's say it was a you know year plus and there's so much of that you know working with a, a third party api that was like i'd forgotten about Right. You know, and it, and it like took me a while for like pieces to start coming back together. Right. It's that kind of thing like that kind of gets to me every now and then. And it could be anything. It could be like a react, uh, you know, Joe brought up machine learning. It could be Python, you know, anything that you're not in daily, then I'll forget it. Yeah. And then I, that's where I get frustrated. Yeah. And that's true. And I mean, to give one more, you know, bro hug here before, before bro I finish hug. it up, but like with Joe, right? It's the same type thing. And, and this is, I think, really what distinguishes elite developers from 
from those that do a nine to five job, right? Like, and I'm not being boastful in saying that I feel like the three of us are elite developers. We are. And the reason is, is because we, my poor request is because we care a lot. And an example, and Joe's joked about this in the past, right? Like he'd walk away from a piece of code because he had to, but before he did, he'd write up a three page wiki document on, Hey, these are the things that you need to know about this because, you know, this is the, the state that it was arrived in and this is what it needs to do. And you need this background knowledge, right? To do a handoff or, or even, you know, he says he's not good at UI, but I've seen his UI and, and I would argue the opposite, right? He may not know every framework on the planet, but it's just, there's that there's that level of care and and it's funny man so i had i had a vp at ups that was probably one of my favorite people in the world and i never actually heard him say this but the guy was from new orleans from louisiana and he his big thing was making sure people did lanyap and i hope Lanyap. i'm, Lanyap. I'm sorry Lanyap. he did what and i hope i'm saying this properly but it's it's a it's a uh French uh, Cajun term for giving a little extra. He said that basically, you know, when he was growing up in Louisiana, if you went to the butcher shop to get some meat, you know, you were a local person. He was a local butcher and he'd always add a little lanyap. He would basically give a little bit of extra meat. You paid for it. You walk away. And that is what elite developers do. Not just in their code, but in understanding and presenting the solution to their code, right? Like if, if you know that a customer is going to be working in your application and they're working in batch, but yet you create screens where they have to one click everything to go do it, you failed them, right? An elite developer takes it to the next level and says, I need to make this person's life better. Even though the requirement is to one off these things, they think through a problem, they do it better. And like you said earlier, they paint the other side of the fence, right? Like you're not walking into a landmine field when you're going in and looking at somebody's code. And I mean, that's, that's something that, you know, the honorable mentions, the dev strengths, those are almost things that you can't quantify, but is extremely apparent when you go walk into somebody's code that left it in that state. Yeah, I don't know about that elite business for me, but uh, I do know that the three of us definitely have a lot of heart and a lot of skin in the game. And uh, like that's why we do the podcast. That's why we interact with, you know, technical environments and, uh, you know, get, we put just a lot of a heart into this stuff. That's why we do the show and participate in all the social stuff and whatever we do, go to the meetups. And so, you know, we just all care about it. And so I think that's a strength for us. And I also think if you're listening to a podcast on your commute, when you could be listening to anything else in the world or watching YouTube or whatever, I think that uh, that's probably one of your strengths too. And so let us know in the show notes. Like we'd be really interesting to hear kind of your takes on the, the strengths and, and weaknesses. And uh, we really hope that you uh, enjoyed this, this episode too. Cause I kind of worry a little bit that people are going to hear it. It's like, all these guys patting each other on the back all episode. So, you know, I hope it's not terrible to listen to because we enjoyed recording it. I think. No, and if anything, I agree. I don't want anybody to walk away thinking that this was literally a pat on the back session, whereas it's more think internally, right? Like we've talked about the um, uh, the imposter syndrome. We're talking about the imposter's handbook in the previous episode. It's real. It exists, right? Um, everybody feels it, probably that you interact with day in and day out. Be aware of it and just know that, that – 
you know, if you're trying your best and all that, then, then know that you're gaining knowledge, you're gaining skills and all that stuff. Gain confidence with it. Don't be cocky. Don't be arrogant, but it's real. And it's not literally just patting on the back. It's, it's recognizing strengths and weaknesses, right? Like we pointed out our weaknesses and sometimes that's hard to do, right? Sometimes it's hard to, to reflect on that stuff, but it's a useful exercise. Well, how about this? I'll put you guys on the spot because Joe has done this to us before. Uh-oh. So, so it's my turn. I'm going to do this. So what if we say, Hey, uh, you've been listening to this. You write in a comment on this episode slash episode 82 with your two strengths and one weakness or two weaknesses, one strength. So take a, a honest introspective look at yourself and think of two weaknesses, one strength, and we'll pick one winner and we'll get you a copy of the imposter's handbook. I love it. Hey, yep. uh, I'm going to up the ante. Let's do two, two. Let's right. do two. No, no. Uh oh. Do three. All right, we're gonna do three. All right, <laughs> three copies. Three copies of the book. There you go, guys. So yeah, three uh, copies of the Imposter's Handbook. Yep. All right. Awesome. Comments on codingblocks.net slash episode eighty two. Yeah, and um, just real quick, I wanted to mention too, like one thing that was really hard for me with picking up the strengths is like I know someone that is better th- than me in each individual like kind of subject or area. I thought about it's like, oh, I'm good at this. Well, so is this. Brand. I mean, you know, it's, so it's kind of funny. Like I think that's the strength of the community. Like I like that there's people that I know that are stronger in ev- like every area I can think of that I can go talk to, and so that's that's really nice. And I'm really fortunate to have that. And if you don't have that, re- I recommend joining the Slack group and finding those people. Oh man, totally. And if you don't know who those people are ask yeah man amazing go in there and say hi and you'll be greeted by just killer people you know, killer yep. good people <laughs> and uh real quick um so we talked about honorable mentions uh i thought it'd be kind of fun to like ask about you know we talked about our weaknesses and strengths like are you guys actively working on any of those weaknesses or strengths that you kind of know about um so kind of inspired by things that we've the I think it was the practicing uh, episode. I don't remember which number that was. Um, but, you know, I've kind of got inspired to do that, the code wars for Python, and maybe take, like, every everything that I've done with Python so far has been more around, like, machine learning, and there's definitely been, like, times where it's like, well, i got to just remember, like, figure out, like, okay, how do I even splice up this matrix, right? But I want to get better i want to get more muscle memory at those kind of things so i was like well you know what let me take a different approach to this and instead of like going after it from the from the kind of going with alan's point about the targeted learning rather than trying to you know go at it from the point of view of like uh hey let's work on some machine learning problems instead be like hey just focus on python first right and then you know get some more muscle memory get some better muscle memory there so um I'm definitely going to be making more of an effort in that regards. Yeah. I'd say for me, it's not all the time. I definitely will get an itch and sit down and watch, uh, one of the Stanford talks on, on YouTube on big O notation or, you know, algorithms or something like that. I, I won't say that it's with any frequency or consistency, but there are definitely times that I, I will go out of my way to say, all right, I need, I need to revisit this. So for me, I would say that there are things I am definitely heavily pursuing, 
but they're not my weaknesses and they're not my strengths. So there's things that I want to be better at that I'm kind of feel like I'm more on the middle ground on like code, so code architecture, modularity, um, communication. I've been doing some speaking stuff this year, the podcasting, obviously, um, DevOps, um, and a little bit of the modern UI UX, but I just kind of thought it was funny. It's like, these are my biggest gaps, but I'm not working on them. Oh, I agree with that. I definitely have more interest on the business side of things almost always. So, yep. you know, marketing, uh, passive income, that kind of stuff. Like, like my, my, my mind tends to float towards things not developed. Cause I think sometimes I just need a break from it, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. And that's a, another great point too. It's like, this is my own time. Like I already got a day job. I spent plenty of time at, uh, you know, we got a podcast we put plenty of time in. Like if I'm doing some coding on the weekend or something like darn it, it's going to be fun. Right. Yeah. But I mean, like when you feel like you need, uh, something to get away from programming though. That's what mountain biking is for. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And, uh, too, I just want to mention, like, it sounds like we're all kind of in the same boat where it's like, I, uh, on my weekend time, my extracurricular time, like I, I'm not really interested in getting my A's to A pluses or my F's to D's, right? Like I'm more interested in getting my C's to B's. Right. I agree with that. Yep. So, uh, I thought that was interesting. And uh, actually, we took a bunch, a whole bunch of notes on kind of how to get better and different ways of learning and different models and stuff and drive us models and learning pyramids and stuff. But uh, we kind of ran out of time. So let us know if you're interested. And maybe if you're lucky, we'll talk about that in uh, some future episode. Oh, there's a decent amount here. So for the resources we like, we're going to have a ton of links in here. Um, the Imposter's Handbook is definitely going to be in here. But there, there's going to be a ton. I know... Uh, I, there, I've got at least a dozen just in my notes alone, um, related to, you know, some of the things that I was finding. So we'll have a bunch of resources. We like a bunch of links to, you know, interesting articles, uh, John's GitHub repository that I mentioned, as well as, uh, a link specifically to the flashcards. Um, you know, Oh, I meant to say this too on his repo. He had a really good quote that I liked a lot. Successful software engineers are smart, but many have an insecurity that they aren't smart enough. Mm -hmm. So true. So with that. Hey, wait, wait, wait. I I should put the resource in there that I was actually studying when I should have been doing these notes last night, which was just (laughs) home theater speakers, right? Like I I have links all over the place. I can share all those. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Right. Last night for me was PWAs. Uh, yes. Uh, people were putting real stuff in our chat, and I was like, man, I'm looking at speakers. I, I don't know what this is. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, it's time for Alan's favorite portion of the show. It's the tip of the week. Oh, man, I forgot about this. All right. Cool. Now, for me, I've actually managed to catch up on just about all of my podcasts, so I had to go find a couple of new ones. And I found one that just started actually called App Dev Diary, uh, Diary where there's two devs who are um, kind of going through just they're discussing their journey on building a new guitar practice amp. And they are starting like right from the get go, like, you know, let's talk about what we want it to be. And, and like they're just getting started and they're kind of researching and figuring some things out with like how to play audio and, um, you know, JavaScript and stuff. And so uh, it's really interesting. And I think uh, if you like the show, you're probably going to like that show. So we'll have a link to it. It's called App Dev Diary. Very nice. So mine, it, this one's kind of interesting. And Mike and I were actually talking about right, talking about this right before the show, and it had features that I didn't, even, I wasn't even aware of. So there is a, is it a plugin? It's a marketplace thing for Visual Studio Team Services, 
And basically what it is, it's a package management plugin, we'll call it. Now, there's two sides to this. There's the awesome side, and then there's the not awesome side. So there's a link in the show notes for it, but it allows you to sort of easily first host a NuGet feed in your own VSTS environment so you can have a private NuGet feed. You can also have it auto-package particular um, uh, projects into NuGet packages for you, which you can have in pre-release mode, you can have in debug mode, you can have in release mode, you can version them, semantic versioning, all this kind of stuff. It also supports NuGet, NPM, Maven, pretty awesome things. I've seen Pluralsight videos on it. I've seen it in practice. Now, here's where I will tell you it kind of stinks. If you look at the reviews on it, there are currently 141 reviews at about two and a third stars. The reason it's two and a third stars is because it's a paid plugin, which people are really mad about. And I kind of think rightfully so. So basically you get five user licenses for free. So if you have five people on a team that are using VSTS and this, and this, um, NuGet package or this package management thing, then you get it for free. But for every person over five, you have to start paying a monthly fee for. So that is what the negative reviews are. It's not about the functionality of it. It's all about the fact that, you know, people feel like Microsoft should be paying for it or not forcing people to pay. Yeah, I I hate that part of it. It's it's it, ridiculous. In, in team services speak, it's an extension. Okay. Is what they go. call it. And there's like a whole marketplace of extensions that you can add into Visual Studio Team Services, and this is one. And unfortunately, you know, if you want to have if you want to have a managed hosted NuGet environment, then that integrates in with team services, then this is the way to go. And it really feels like team services should just include have this. It. Yeah. It doesn't feel like that, that you should have to pay for it. And this is made for and published by made by and published by Microsoft. And it's just like, come on, man. Yeah, it, it's, We're already paying for team services. It's really frustrating. I mean, when I say that it's it should be an essential thing that's already baked in because yes. what it allows and I probably don't I'm not even making this clear is you can take projects that are dependencies in your other projects and tell it, hey, this project I want this to be nougatized, right? And it'll version it and do all that stuff for you automatically. Like you can have it when a commit goes in, it will go build the thing create the the NuGet package publishing pieces for you and and it just gets used in your projects and the next time somebody does a a a run on their system it'll pull down the NuGet package and run it super useful incredibly frustrating that they charge for it but if you're not aware of this thing and you have an environment where dependencies are kind of a pain in the butt check it out yep so you too can have diamond dependencies. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and if you don't know what we're talking about, good for you. So uh, mine, I thought I would play in Alan's favorite land, which is SQL. So, <laughs> oh, come on. You love data. I, I, I do love data. So um, I don't know that we've talked about this lately, but with SQL Server 2016 and later, Microsoft has been introducing some little sugary goodness into T-SQL. And I'm sure that there's like a whole bucket list of things that Joe wants that still hasn't been added. But 
there have been some cool ones. So I thought, you know, I don't know if we talked about it, so maybe we should. But a couple that were, um, were noteworthy, and I'll have links to like more uh, you you can find. But a couple that I wanted to just call out specifically was like you remember if you the old way of okay, I want to see if this if it, this table already exists, so I'm gonna have to like check if the object ID exists, blah blah blah, right? Select from the the table, see if it if this thing is already there. All right. Well, now you have drop table if if exists, right? So you can just say drop table if exists and whatever your table name is, right? Which is totally awesome, right? And that one I thought like maybe we've already talked about that one. But the one that like caught my attention is yesterday I was talking with a coworker and I saw one of her uh some of her SQL that she had on screen and I was like, "Holy crap, is that legit SQL that I'm looking at?" Because it said create or alter procedure. And I was like, wait a minute. And that was a new feature that was added to 2016. That is nice. So I just thought basically that the main takeaway from that was like, I got to pay more attention to these SQL server updates to see like what's changing in T-SQL. So I can catch up on all these uh, new uh, syntax features. Can you order by a variable yet? <laughs> no. See, I told you. I told you. I knew Joe wasn't going to be satisfied. Stop with this pipe dream stuff, man. <laughs> it's, it's not. This shouldn't be a pipe dream. <laughs> anyway. the, the pain. Uh, right. But but let's also, in fairness, keep in mind that SQL Server is a transactional database. It is not a reporting database. So, yeah, maybe it shouldn't exist and maybe people shouldn't be trying to force it to do that. Yeah, I saw a great uh, great talk from Santosh over here in Orlando talking about NoSQL for SQL. And it wasn't just a, you should use NoSQL talk. It was a really great uh, kind of talk about like the, the strengths and weaknesses of NoSQL versus kind of traditional relationship. Very anyway, cool. We should talk about that sometime. Yes, we should. I, I think it's a great topic. All right. Coolness. Yeah. So that's it for the episode. We talked about identifying our weaknesses and filling in the gaps and the kind of stuff that we're working on. We hope you guys enjoyed it. And we hope that you go to the comment section and drop your two weaknesses and one strength for a uh, chance to win one of the three copies of the books that we're giving away that we hadn't planned on. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. We'll all pitch in a few bucks. We'll be good. Uh. All right. So with that, uh, if you're not already, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Spotify. Oh, yes. We forgot to add that in there. Player FM, Overcast, yeah. Google Play. iHeartRadio. Yep. We're basically everywhere. And if you found us on someplace that we're not mentioning, that's not listed on our header, uh, let us know. We'll add it there too. Um, be sure to leave us a review. You can head to www.codingblocks.net slash review to find some helpful links. Yep, and while you're up there, check out all our show notes. They are extremely full and well-featured. Examples, discussions, and more. And send your feedback, questions, and rants to the Slack channel, codingblocks.slack.com. We're going to be having some more community talks coming up, so if you're interested, you should join in there, too. We've got a channel we're going to be talking about and scheduling and figuring out how to do more of those on a timely basis. And, uh, you know, we're on Twitter or uh, anywhere else, that you know, at CodingBlocks. Um, so check out the website, and you can find links to just about anywhere you want to be. 